Welcome to episode 13 of the Sport Performance Podcast. On this episode, Ivan is joined by Dr. James Tefano of Charles University in Prague. The episode centers around James's research done in cluster training. Some of the topics covered in this episode include standardizing the language in cluster training research, acute effects of strength, power, and hypertrophy when using this method, what's the most appropriate time of year to use this method, as well as possible drawbacks of using cluster sets. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Lab Audio Inventory. Welcome to Athletic Lab Sport Performance Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Dr. James Tufano. Welcome to the podcast, James. Thanks, Ivan. Happy to be here. Uh, before we start, um, can you tell us a little bit about your background, your education, your experience? What are you currently doing? Yeah, sure. Uh, gosh, I started much like all of us, I guess, just a, a normal athlete who liked lifting weights and playing sports. Uh, and then as those uh, dreams of becoming a pre professional athlete did not become a reality, you got to figure out something else to do. <laughs> uh, so school obviously became the priority. I did my bachelor's uh, at the University of Houston, Clear Lake, where we had an awesome faculty there. Uh, my supervisor, Bill Hemanet, was a strength coach for the astronauts at NASA, uh, worked for the Houston Rockets for a while. And mm -hmm. He was a good friend of mine for a long time, and he, he kind of got me into to the idea that you could be a strength coach for a living. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, great, that sounds awesome. I didn't even know that was a real job. And uh, then after, after I finished up there, uh, I went to Cal State Fullerton to work on my master's program, mm -hmm. uh, not thinking that research was going to be my main focus. I went there thinking... You know, that they have a great master's program. Dr. Brown was there, Dr. Lee Brown, uh, who's an amazing friend of mine now. And, uh, you know, the more I worked there and the more I worked with him, the more I realized I liked research uh, and that I really I love teaching more than I like being a strength coach. Right. Uh, so then I made the decision to, to head to Australia to Edith Cowan University. And Greg Hoff gave me an opportunity to, to be a Ph.D. student there and. Uh, that's really where I guess my, my main research interest started. And now I am at Charles University in Prague at the Faculty of Physical Education and Sport, uh, where I'm continuing sports science research and trying to apply it in, in general populations as well. Wow. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> you change a lot of the states and now you're <laughs> in uh, Prague. <laughs> that's true. So do you like Prague? Yeah, man, it's great. Uh, now it's October, so uh, I'm looking out the window and it's gray and rainy. So that part's not very good. But otherwise, the city is amazing. The the people are are, are pleasant to be around, uh, and I I like the lifestyle. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's sometimes it's difficult for people to shift from different continents and different cultures. So uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, let's start with the questions. Yeah. Um, in the last few years, you and your colleagues published quite a few papers on cluster training methods. So can you talk about it briefly? So later I'll have some follow-up questions that will go into greater detail. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think, gosh, when I was a master's student at Fullerton, I believe, uh, 
I just randomly came across some paper about cluster sets. You know, nowadays there's so many uh, titles to way, the way that people train, you know, oh, I, right. I train with this method and that method. And I usually just ignore all those things because, you know, we all pretty much know the same information and some people put a brand on it and others don't. Uh, and this was one of those things where, you know, I, I saw that a lot of people used cluster sets for power maintenance and velocity maintenance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, and when you think about it, it's kind of common sense, right? If you're, if you do a set of 10 with no rest, and if you do a set of 10 with rest in between the reps, clearly your performance is going to be better maintained when you rest between the reps. Right. Um, but I'm one of those people that just kind of always tries to think a little bit differently to see how we can use something. Uh, and in this case, my, my main idea, which I proposed to Dr. Greg Hoff at Edith Cowan University, was, you know, if I, you know, approach it from a different way. And instead of trying to maintain performance, what if we have the same amount of fatigue maybe that you would have, but it, instead you can use a greater load um, in which case your total work and, and, and volume, volume load will be increased. Uh, and that's pretty much the main decision, uh, sorry, the main idea that drove my decision to investigate, uh, different versions of cluster sets the way I did in that series of, I think five papers, I, I believe. Yeah. 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 Quite a few papers, like I said. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's now more and more research supporting that maximally tent and I mean velocity while lifting and even we can see strength condition and strength conditioning practitioners often instruct their athletes to perform concentric muscle actions as quickly as possible because obviously if you do explosive concentric muscle actions they will result in greater training effects compared right. to slower concentric muscle actions. But uh, unfortunately, we can see that fatigue can quickly manifest itself when repeatedly performing those movements. Uh, so my question is, what is the mechanism uh, by which cluster set training structure can overcome that problem compared to other way of uh, lifting? Yeah, I think uh, the, the trend now is to monitor things, uh, you know, with live feedback. And, you know, fortunately, now we have the technology to look at all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when you think about it, people always say, you know, we kind of joke around uh, that sports science is, is quite far behind the actual field of sports science. Uh, and coaches have been telling their athletes to, you know, explode through the bar and, and, and be violent with the bar. For as long as I can remember. And, you know, now it's just the time where we're able to really measure these things. And I think, uh, you know, as long as people have the intent to move fast, that's obviously the most important thing. But as you said recently, people have put, you know, different thresholds to keep your your percentage of velocity from dropping below a certain percent. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm from Houston and we like to take things slow and keep things simple. And that's yeah. kind of my my philosophy with, with science and training as well, you know, kind of like I mentioned earlier, if you rest, you know, you're going to have more time for, for replenishment of, of ATP and PCR. And, you know, you, you've right. even got more time. Some people say, Oh, to clear lactate, but you know, yeah. a lot of people now know that lactate gives you energy. Yeah. Uh, and if you've got more time, you can, you can reap the benefits of that even greater. So I think it's a huge combination of all these factors. But basically, I think the rest periods within cluster sets restore your energy and your muscles can continue to work. (laughs) 
Yeah, simple as that. <laughs> yeah. So, but can fatigue caused by training, uh, traditional uh, set training structure be a good thing when inducing hypertrophy or strength gains? Because obviously, it will reduce movement velocity and increase overall time under tension. So, can you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, I, I, you know, my opinion uh, is that there's such a huge body of traditional kind of old school literature that says, obviously, these these old bodybuilding, you know, three, four, five sets of 10 with 30 seconds, one minute rest. Clearly, it works. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I don't think I'm at liberty to say whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that you have a lot of fatigue. I think that people can approach the same problem. Uh, you know, trying to get hypertrophy in many different ways, and they all seem to work. Um, you know, you look at different populations and different training backgrounds, and you know, even people within the same population on the same rugby team or basketball team mm-hmm. are going to respond to the same training program differently. So, I don't think any of us really, at the moment, can say, you know, that this fatigue is good or this fatigue is bad. Um, I, I think that we're we're a very long way away from being able to yeah. confidently say anything regarding that. Yeah. Right. That's also a problem because uh, we can see a lot of uh, influence from other sports in, in, in sports science. Let's say if you have an SNC coach and, I don't know, he likes bodybuilding, he will uh, <laughs> force his met- bodybuilding methods into, into right. certain sport. I can see that all the time and it's really annoying. But yeah, but whatever. Uh, yeah. La, about your recent publication in JCR, um, and I can say that we work in a field where scientists and practitioners work by, side by side, and uh, standardized terminology is of a great importance. And in my opinion, when I while I was reading a lot of papers on clusters uh, while I conducted my study this summer, uh, I could see that. Cluster set training structure has been misinterpreted in the scientific community. And we can see a lot of papers using that term for many different training protocols. So I think that's a huge problem. And so can you talk about that? Uh, why that happened at all? So. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, the purpose of that paper that I, that I published in JSCR uh, was just to try to clarify things. You know, I, I'm not saying that someone is right and, and other people are wrong. I'm not even saying I'm right. I'm just trying to to put forward a few bits of information that I think makes sense and hopefully other people can follow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, some of the earlier studies uh, simply called them cluster sets. Uh, and a cluster set in the scientific realm uh, became known as something where you change the rest periods a bit. Uh, but there was no set in stone definition of what exactly that cluster set is. So does that mean that you you just redistribute the rest to another period uh, of the training session, or does it mean that you have to add extra rest? No one really knew. Um, and you know, nowadays it's really hard to track down the original reference, the first time someone used it, because depending on who you talk to, someone might say, "Oh, it was in this Russian paper, or it was in the third edition of this book in this year." And man, yeah. it can just be a bit much. Um, right. And and even the you know and that's just the scientific world. If you if you look at practical uh, strength conditioning, as I mentioned earlier, people have all sorts of names for the exact same thing, uh, and th- that was kind of the the terminology 
that I set forth in that JSCR paper uh, was just to try to get at least the scientific community to somewhat be exposed to the same thing and rethink how we're naming these things. Because in reality, you know, if you add more rest to something or if you keep the rest the same and split it between sets or between reps, you're probably going to get two different responses. One means that you've got more time to rest and the other means you technically have less time to rest. Right. Uh, and that's, that's what I was trying to put across. Yeah. That's awesome that you did because, uh, like you stated in, in quite a few of your papers, uh, it's really difficult to compare, uh, to compare the studies, to compare the methods and because, there is no standardized terminology and also that's a problem for practitioners because when they want to actually read something and implement something um, they can be you know uh, how to say that they can misinterpret the, yeah. uh, the results and yeah, so definitely. can you differentiate and describe protocols uh, that have been used as a cluster in scientific community oh gosh yeah. where to begin <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, I'll I'll start with the ones I'm most familiar with, um, okay. which are the ones that I did and people from my lab group have done. Um, uh, let's say you do um, one set of six, okay, one set of six squats, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, you just do those six, so that's what we call a traditional set. Mm -hmm. When you do repetitions and you take no breaks in between the reps, it's one right after the other. You know, maybe you take a second or two to take another deep breath. That's fine. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's say you, you know, you rest three minutes and you do another set of six. So now you've got two traditional sets of six. Mm -hmm. Now, the traditional definition of cluster sets, which I set forth in the paper, um, is let's say that now instead of a set of six, you've got a set of six, but you take 20, 30 seconds rest between the third and fourth rep. Mm -hmm. So you do three reps, you rack the bar, you catch your breath, you take, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds, you get back under the bar, you unrack it, and then you do another three reps. Mm -hmm. Then you, you continue with that long rest period in between the sets, that three minute rest period. Uh, and you repeat the same thing for that second set of six. So three reps, rest, 20, 30 seconds, three more reps. In my opinion, that's kind of the basis of cluster sets uh, in the scientific literature. Yeah, if you take these little added rest periods without messing with the, the rest period between the sets, that would be a cluster set because it gives you more time to replenish the energy that you just used during those first three reps, for example. Um, so that's one way. <laughs> Another way, which uh, I then called re rest redistribution, uh, is let's say that you have those three minutes in between the two sets of six, uh, but now you do three reps mm -hmm. uh, and you rest, what, like uh, 180 seconds, but I don't know, like a minute and 40 seconds. Okay. Three reps, minute 40 seconds, three reps, and so on. Uh, in that case, you've taken the inter, the, the interset rest period and you've simply just chopped it up into smaller pieces and scattered it throughout the set. Right. Uh, that's what I would say is rest redistribution. Other people have done cluster sets. You know, they say, well, 
we do a traditional set and we did, let's say, 12 reps with a certain load. Okay, well, now we're going to rest 10 seconds in between each each repetition. And now all of a sudden, a cluster set is perform as many repetitions as you can until failure. Uh, and that's that's the problem that I was running into because you can't compare a cluster set to a cluster set. Yeah. Because um, clearly, as you can tell, those those three examples I just gave are extremely different. Right. So uh, which of the protocols would you recommend to, to develop certain ability or would you any at all? Well, you know, I, I view these scientific studies as not really pr training programs, but, you know, when you think about it, we should just be training one variable uh, or sorry, ch changing one variable in science. And, you know, I, I don't think that we can recommend that this t style of training is best for this or this style of training is best for that, because really in science, we're just changing a variable and seeing what happens. Uh, you know, having said that, uh, it does appear that the traditional cluster sets where you add extra intraset rest periods, uh, that, that obviously maintains velocity and power uh, throughout the set. Whether or not that's a good thing, I don't know. It depends on your training goal. Um, if you do rest redistribution, that means that you don't have extra rest, but you've just you know, created multiple small sets, in other words. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't seen any training studies uh, that that fully address these ideas. Uh, but my hunch would be uh, based on a study that I did and published and uh, I think another one in IJSPP uh, and then later in JSCR and Journal of Human Kinetics. Uh, we did some rest redistribution versus traditional cluster sets. Yeah, right. Uh, and basically everything was the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the mechanical responses were the same. The cortisol response, testosterone, growth hormone, lactate, all of it was the same because the total rest time was the same. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, you know. You think that sorry. the rest period is the uh, main driver of uh, responses? I do, yeah. Whether you have extra rest or less total rest. Personally, that's what I believe is, is probably the, the driving factor. Mm -hmm. um, so, when we talk about this, so can you now, uh, what are, is that actually, what are the acute uh, effects on strength, power, and hypertrophy using cluster set? And obviously, if we have some chronic responses, uh, what, if we have some data on it, can you talk about that? Um, let's see. The only, you know, really meaningful acute responses that I can think of are, are you know, maintenance of velocity and power right. uh, th throughout a training session. I believe there was one study. I can't remember who the author is at the moment, but they, I think it was published in JSCR a while back, and they actually used cluster sets as part of a PAP protocol, which was pretty cool, pretty interesting mm -hmm. idea. And uh, those guys saw that with cluster sets, the actual uh, potentiation after the conditioning activity occurred sooner after the end of the, the conditioning activity uh, when cluster sets were used. So I think they did like a set of five squats or something, I believe. And, you know, if you did five in a row, then you had to wait longer for the PAP effect to happen. But then if you use the cluster sets the potentiating effect actually happened a bit earlier. So I think uh, that has good implications for training. I think people could apply that to their, their daily programs. 
Um, in terms of acute effects for strength or hypertrophy, man, I, I, I don't know. We can't really grow, I, I guess, within a training session. Um, for the, the chronic responses, uh, personally, I haven't done any studies on those. Uh, I wish I had the chance, but unfortunately, I, I had to finish my PhD and move on to, to a real job here in Prague. Um, but a lot of other people recently have done, uh, training studies and it seems like no matter what type of cluster set version they use, right. uh, it seems like maintaining this intensity and velocity during the program, uh, is beneficial for strength, uh, and hypertrophy is similar as the more fatiguing traditional set protocols. Uh, when I look at the entire body of evidence up to date. It was really surprising for me. I mean, obviously, we, if you uh, if you are uh, around in this uh, actually coaching community now, everybody's like, "Oh, it's everything is about volume. It's about this. It's about that." But it's really a lot of in maximal intent and uh, velocity while lifting, and there is now more and more research supporting that from the Spanish lab, from Sanchez Medina and Gonzalez Batillo. They did a lot mm -hmm. of papers on that one. And obviously the, some of the flywheel training technology is also proving that and studies on that technology. I don't know if, mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you think about flywheel training technology. Are you familiar with it? Uh, I'm familiar with it. I, I've tried it out, you know, just to, to mess around with it. Uh, but personally, I don't know anyone who's used it for training. I've only known people who use it for, for scientific study. So mm -hmm. I can't really speak of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so in your opinion, what is the most appropriate time of the training year to use cluster, uh, cluster set training structure? Let's say if you work individual sports or when you work in team sport settings, Yeah, I people ask me this question all the time and I always give them the same lame, vague answer, uh, which is, you know, it just depends on your goal. It depends on your training goal. Um, I, I think I was at a conference in Copenhagen a few years ago and mm -hmm. one of the guys had asked me, uh, you know, hey, you know, I coach triple jumpers. You know, I, I coach elite track and field athletes and we've got all day to train. You know, that's their entire job. So what do you suggest we do? You know, and I suggested, you know, that maybe depending on the, the phase of training, if you really want to focus on maintaining power, then you've got all day to add more rest periods and cluster set formats. Um, but your average person, you know, your high school strength coach, your college strength coach, most team sports, you're not going to have that much time. So, you know, it depends on If you really want to take more time uh, to let your athletes recover a bit to maintain the intensity and the velocity of the training, or if you want to kind of get what I would call the most bang for your buck and use, uh, you know, in one of my studies, we used cluster sets of four, uh, which allowed you to use a higher load uh, and the percent fatigue was the same from the first rep to the final rep. Uh, between traditional sets and the cluster sets with a greater load. So in that case, you know, I think by, by adding greater load and just a few more minutes of, of intraset rest periods, uh, I think people were able to increase total work and time under tension by something like 
20 percent or, or something yeah. like that within the training session, which could be huge. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, uh, I haven't done a training study on that, so I, I wouldn't be able to yeah. confirm whether that's true or not. But that's my hunch. Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned time and uh, adding a few more minutes. And so what are the drawbacks of this method? I mean, the only one that I can think of is the mean training efficiency. So let's say if I use this method with my athletes or even with myself, the session can last like 150% longer uh, than traditional training structure. So is there any more drawbacks? Can you talk about this time efficiency? And Would you think yeah. it's... Uh, yeah, continue, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think, you know, clearly from a practical standpoint, time is probably the most, uh, the, the thing that's most impacted with cluster sets, because clearly if you use the traditional cluster set, you have to add more rest periods. Right. Um, however, if, if your purpose in that training block or training session is to purely focus on, you know, maintaining high speed, high power, uh, and to maintain the quality of these movements, well, then why not? You know, who, who cares if it takes a little bit of extra time or if you do right. one less exercise? You know, it's the coach's responsibility to look at the goal for that session or that block. Um, other disadvantages, you know, I'm not really sure. I think, again, I don't think there's really any advantages and disadvantages to using cluster sets. I think it just depends on how the coach or the athlete wants to use them to approach a specific problem. You know, if, if you're looking to get a lot of fatigue and a lot of uh, lactate and a lot of, you know, acute hormonal responses, whether those help or not, who knows, that's in the, up in the air right now. Uh, but you can design cluster sets to achieve those goals as well. Uh, it just depends on, on how you adjust all these variables that we all know about. <laughs> uh, just do them in, in different ways. Right. Yeah, so in, in all of these uh, papers uh, and, I mean, all uh, uh, every scientist that did paper on cluster or whatever <laughs> protocol, um, everyone measured mean force, peak force, mean velocity, peak velocity. So my, uh, and I mean, the, especially peak velocity and peak power. Uh, why would you measure that at all if you use, let's say, squat? It's a closed exercise. Or uh, let's, why would you use that with the, let's say, deadlift with the squat with the bench press? So because there was uh, a lot of people now that are uh, velocity-based guys, they always talk that peak peak measures uh, needs to be used only when you are doing power exercises like weightlifting movements, and so. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where I think in science, if we're if we're reporting one variable and you've got the data for essentially a different version of that variable. So think of mean power and peak power or mean power and mean uh, peak velocity, mean velocity. Right. Why not report it? Yeah. Right. If we're adding we're adding to the body of evidence, you know, we see that velocity and power always mirror each other. Yeah. Uh, which means, you know, that, that velocity probably is the king, in which case most people are, are coming to, to an agreement on that. And, you know, in my opinion, why not provide the data? You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're scientists and that's our that's our purpose is to give people as much information and a clear story as possible. Um, and, and I think if people are still wanting to 
train using these velocity thresholds and, and things like that. If power mimics that and it can give you a bit more data, right. why not report it? Give it right. a go. Right. Right. So with all of these, with all these research showing advantage of cluster set training structure compared to traditional set training structure, so would you totally throw them out? I mean, traditional uh, set structure? <laughs> I, I would never throw anything out. Um, I think that now this is a hot topic. Yeah, everyone's interested in these things right now. Yeah. But who knows? In five years, 15 years, who knows when? There's going to be something new and people are going to say, oh, all these things that used to work, they no longer work. This works better. You know, it, as long as we're we're sticking to the main principles and using progressive overload and, and using uh, appropriate principles like training specificity, you know, those are the things that I think we really need to remember. Right. This type of training program X or Y or ABC, man, who knows? It could be <laughs> cool today. Tomorrow, someone would find out that it's horrible. <laughs> you yeah. never know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you said in the beginning of the podcast, uh, a lot of guys are like, they believe in some method and they are just <laughs> pushing it and they throw everything out. But it's not, it's never black and white. You always have to consider. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I wanted to ask you, can we expect more research from you and your colleagues on, on this topic and classes uh, in the future? You know, I, I just moved to Prague at Charles University maybe about a year and a half ago, uh, and I'm still trying to put my lab together. We finally got some funding gathered, uh, and starting January 2018, I think we should have about three PhD students and, and two postdocs. Uh, and obviously, one of the things that I'm interested in is doing training studies on all these things. I unfortunately just said, oh, I, we found this, but I didn't get to look at it in a training study. Uh, so I, I would definitely keep uh, keep that in mind. That's going to be one of my top priorities in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also have a lot of really cool research that we do here at Charles University. Uh, we have great collaborations with other countries and the uh, other universities in the Czech Republic, mm -hmm. Poland. You know, we're, we're a tight community here in Central Europe, uh, as you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think that, that we'll be putting out more and more very applicable research soon. Awesome. That's awesome. So I don't want to take your time anymore. So I will just uh, ask you, where can people find you? I mean, are you active on social media, uh, Twitter, ResearchGate? Yeah. So I think my Facebook, gosh, that that's uh, basically there for me to do video calls with my parents in the U.S. <laughs> uh, so I'm not really active on that. Twitter, I don't have because I don't have the time to stay on top of it. Um, so I'd say the best option to connect with me professionally would be ResearchGate. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I check it quite frequently. People send me messages all the time uh, for collaborations or, or advice, you know, talking about their studies. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always more than happy to, to talk to people and make some friends and, and hopefully meet these strangers on ResearchGate and meet them in, in conferences somewhere and, mm -hmm. and, and have a beer together. <laughs> awesome so thank you very much James it was a very interesting conversation I really appreciate your time here yeah thank you very much happy to be here yeah looking forward to speaking with you again in the future especially if you do some more research in Prague <laughs> myself as well yeah good luck take care yeah take care Bye.
All right, guys, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you like this, you can rate us. You can share this with your friends. And if you have a question, go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor, anywhere you can find us. Drop us a DM and we'll try to answer it when we can. Thank you.